Hi, I'm Judina Castro, and you're listening to Mayberry with High Rises, where my friend John Maffei and I talk about relationships, life in Seattle, politics, with random tangents. And believe me, there are a lot of them. Today we're here with Bailey Stober. Hi, Bailey. How's it going? Good. Good to see you. So, I am so excited to have Bailey because he has recently been elected as the chair of the King County Democrats. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm not sure if it's a blessing or a, or a curse, <laughs> but I'm excited. Well, that's part of why we wanted to have you on and hear from you and about you of, boy, since this election, everything has gone a little crazy. So can you tell, tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I got elected December 4th, um, and as I reminded my board yesterday, they had about 55 days of me and only 600 and something left uh, in my term before it's over. Uh, But before being the chair of the King County Democrats, I was chair of the 47th District Democrats, which is South King County, so Kent, Auburn, Covington area. And so I've been involved with the party for a long time, I will say. Uh, I doorbelled on my first campaign when I was 13. Wow. Wow. And am the youngest county chair in history at 25. Um, Congrats. And Thank how you. many people did you have to run against? I ran against the incumbent, okay. and then I had one other challenger as well. Um, and so we did rounds of voting to yeah. obviously knock off the third place person, and I knew I was in trouble in the first round when I had taken 48% uh, and was beating the incumbent. So I knew it was oh, it was going to wow. be a sealed deal at that point. Um, but before that, so as I said, I was chair of the 47th, been involved for a number of years, um, Worked in state government for a while. Now I work in King County government. Um, So, yeah. So why did you want this role, especially now? So I have... And tell the people... Oh, wait. You know, let's first give a little bit of the party structure. Yeah. So at the local level, you have precincts, right? And your precincts bubble up to the legislative district level. So at the LD level, as they call it, there's an LD chair, an executive board, and that's where all the local action happens, so to speak. And above the LD is the county party. Uh, we have 17 legislative districts in King County. So there's 17 wow. chairs under me um, that we actually work together on local issues. And then above the county level is the state party. And then above the state party is the DNC. So we're a couple degrees of separation uh, from the big national stuff, but we definitely implement a lot of what the DNC does and programs they roll out here at the local level. And how many counties are there in Washington State? There's 39. Oh, that's a lot. But we are the largest, of course. Yeah. What is the population in King County? Is King County bigger than all the the 38 combined? I don't know if it's as big as them combined, because I think Pierce and Spokane combined would probably give us a run for our money. But in King County, the population's over 2 million people, and geographically, we're actually a little bit larger than the state of Delaware. Right. Wow. Boy, we've really grown. Yeah. So, John, are you... Now, you're, you lean more to the Republican side. Uh, well, yeah, you, probably. Uh, okay. So, like, do you ever... Have you ever... Go, and I'm more to the Democrat. I am a Democrat. But this is the first time I've been involved in the party politics. Like, are you an actual registered Republican? Have you ever gone to these district meetings? So I, I've been to one or two. I was in Leshy. So do you know, you know where Leshy yeah. is? So it's really funny. Someone invited me to go to the Republican meeting. And four in people In Leshy? And four Seattle? people showed up. Yes. <laughs> so four people showed up. So um, Leshy is funny because it's a waterfront community, but it's, you know, uh, 
It's a progressive on waterfront of, community. On the back side of the Central District. Yeah. yeah. So the way it's districted, you know, there was probably like six Republican votes, and four of us were in a room. But <laughs> it was me and two people who read it. There's nothing wrong with that, but they weren't 25-year-olds. They were like seven-year-olds were in the room. So I went there, and so I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, I have gotten called a couple times by some people who have Bailey's role on the opposite side saying, mm-hmm. hey, would you run for this or that? Because I'm a Dynasty City Council currently mm-hmm. um, as an independent. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think they think, uh, you know, I would lean Republican. Um, I laugh because I'm like, these demographics aren't so great for me. Why are you yeah. asking me <laughs> to take a bullet to the head? Which is you're going <laughs> to go into a district where you're probably, you know, 53, 47. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because even when you look at the demographics of some of the districts that you think would be Republican in the state, and they're not. And the 41st is a perfect example. Bellevue, Mercer Island, you know, you would look at that community, predominantly white, predominantly older community, um, has has some money, right? And yeah. they just elected Lisa Wellman as our Democratic state senator from the 41st oh, and threw wow. out Republican Steve Litzow, who was in office. And even when Steve Litzow was in office, his two state representatives that served with him were both Democrats. Oh, that's interesting. That mm-hmm. is surprising. So so you have this role now, and congratulations for having the role. And Thank you. I know, I know it could be cursed, too, because yeah. you know it gets crazy. So you have this role, and uh, I remember hearing about this before I even knew who you were going to come on, was about you got attacked within the first couple of weeks of getting on just because you were in the role. Oh, and, yeah. And you think, yeah. Tell us a little about it, because everything that says about you reeks uh, respect, reeks kind of like open-mindedness. There's nothing about you that I would say is I could find offensive Thank walking you. in. <laughs> Thank you. You seem I like agree. a very presentable You're young absolutely. man. You seem like a very nice young <laughs> man. You seem reasonable. But, but, Thank you. But um, we've both been in the politics game. Yeah. We've both been attacked. Um, usually you're attacked by people who are crazy. Like, why were you attacked What's the motivation? And just tell us that story because I think it's probably Well, it's people within the party. Yeah. So I think any time you challenge the institution and the status quo, you open yourself up to be attacked. Mm-hmm. Um, in my case, I you know, which time would be my first question in the last two months. Uh, within my first 24 hours of being chair, uh, I was sued and slapped with a restraining <gasps> order. Um, what for? Well, there were some folks upset with the way that the appointment process was going to go in the 37th legislative district. Pramila Jayapal was elected to Congress and resigned her state Senate seat. And as a result, we as the party have to appoint somebody to that seat. And one of the candidates didn't like the way that process was going to go. So filed a lawsuit against myself, uh, the county party, and the King County Council to prevent the county council from then uh, appointing the person that we selected. And so, uh, you know, day two of my chairmanship showing up in superior court, um, having to defend myself. And, of course, this is all done on an emergency basis because they're filing for an emergency injunction. And so I wake up that morning, 7 a.m., 11 o'clock, I get a phone call that says you have to be in court by 1.30 today to appear in front of a judge. So it was an interesting experience. We won, I might add. uh, And we got Rebecca Saldana, who is the new state senator from the 37th district who's going to be a fantastic state senator but it was just kind of an example of people that don't like certain things or they don't like you and they don't like that you're challenging the status quo and it's kind of continued through the two months so each chair gets to appoint committee chairs and the people they want in their administration and 
I ran for chair because I had a problem with the party and the direction they were going and the status quo leadership. So, of course, I replaced most of the committee chairs. Yeah. And when people have been in those roles for two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve years, they get really mad when you replace them. I just had one last night that we went round and round. And finally, I I had to make it clear I'm asking that person to step aside. Um, You know, when you challenge the institution, you challenge the status quo, you open yourself up for that. But that's the only way you make real change. And what did you challenge? Like, how are you different from what has been, which obviously has is failing? I mean, Mm -hmm. the Democrats are having some serious problems. So what are you what did what were you offering that's different? Well, I think just the general direction. as a young person, I've got a ton of energy and I want to work. And I want people that are willing to roll up their sleeves and put in the time and the hours and the actual work. I don't want people just sitting around a table talking about doing the work, which, in my opinion, has been the problem with our organization over the last couple of years, is we've talked about doing the work and actually haven't delivered anything. And I work every day for a living. So I realize if I don't produce deliverables, I get fired. Yeah. That's the way it works. And that's the way it should work in the party, too. If you don't deliver, you should get fired. And what I saw after this last election was we missed two opportunities in the 5th District uh, to pick up House seats. Um, You know, we won in the 41st, luckily. We won in the 30th. We lost a seat in the 31st. You know, this is the bluest county in the state. And we raised roughly $80,000 last year for the Democratic Party. The oh King the God. King County Republicans in the same time frame raised $1.2 million. Yeah. yeah. So when we're raising a fraction of a percentage, wow. it's just unacceptable. Yeah. And the way I've looked at it is folks can either get on board or step aside and let those of us who are willing and ready to do the work lead the charge. I, I just had some thoughts here. It's kind of an interesting thing that you're talking about here because if you think of King County, it's a Democratic stronghold. Mm-hmm. If you look at how it did across the election, obviously the state was carried across the board for Hillary Clinton, for Jay Inslee, um, you know, on a national level by King County. Mm-hmm. So you think about this and, you know, obviously, you know, if, if Barack Obama had a map, say, where are my favorite places in the, in the country? <laughs> yeah. He would put Seattle yeah. and King County right in there. Yeah. So... It's funny that you say this because I actually believe that one of the problems is when you have success, you need someone to go in and continue. And the fundraising obviously an issue. Mm-hmm. But isn't there a counterargument that says, hey, King County is one of the Democratic strongholds in the entire country, one of the best places for fundraising, one of the places that supported you know, Hillary Clinton better than anyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, don't, doesn't King County deserve credit for that? Isn't that good on the report card? There's... Good, and then there's great. Okay. And we can continue to be good, and that's not great. And while we had Democratic victories across the state, we also elected a Republican state treasurer for the first time in decades. So King County hasn't performed as well as we could have. Um, well, I, and we lost seats. We we did. We lost right. some seats. They lost some Democratic seats. But we've continued County. to lose seats yeah. over, over the years. When I first got involved in politics and started paying attention, I was an excited kid in school, right? We had a large majority in the state Senate and we had a large majority in the state house. And now we've got, I believe four seats of a majority in the state house and we have lost the majority in the state Senate. So, but again, that's, that's a tough one to go back and forth on. And uh, by the way, I'm really glad you went here because it's super interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But it is, um, this is a big state. Mm -hmm. There are lots of areas in the state. Mm -hmm. Um, if you just look at the, uh, the demographics of the state, Mm -hmm. 39 districts, um, I don't know of the math. You probably know better than me. But I assume 38 of them uh, lean red. 
and one <laughs> leans heavily blue. No, um, there's some purple. Well, we've no. got we've got some purple in Pierce yeah. and Snohomish, but, but yeah. You, but I hear you, what you're you bring up an interesting point, which is I, I we want definitely want to talk local, but because yeah. you've went here, I, I have a question for yeah. you. So we had a guy who just for eight years served as president, who was a magical speaker, had incredibly strong popularity, despite you know something's not going well. It never seemed to affect him in the polls in terms of popularity. The guy was left very popular president, mm-hmm. um, but. In the last eight years, 900 seats have been lost around Democrats and state senates. Mm-hmm. You've seen legislatures flip. 13, uh, there's been the Senate has turned Republican. The House has turned Republican. 13 governorships switched over, you know, from Democrat to uh, Republican. Mm-hmm. And this next cycle, you've got 13 vulnerable Democrat seats up and one Republican seat. Why is it that... Um, the Democrats have had so much problems nationwide with this wonderful president in terms of popularity. How's that happened? I'd love to hear your perspective on this and just maybe you can tell us, you know, maybe some of the same things happened in Washington. But why is that? You know, I, it was an interesting point. So I told you guys I was just on KUOW and I was just talking about this very thing. I swear, one thing that I have to give the Republicans credit for, their messaging They are all on message. And I jokingly always say, I think there's a Monday morning memo that comes out and says, this week we're talking about jobs and here's our 10 (laughs) talking points. And it goes down all the way down to the school board level and water commissioner because they all stick to message from the top to the bottom. Democrats are horrible at messaging. We are horrible at messaging. And I think... Some of the reasons that Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump were both so successful in their primary races is they talked about jobs. Yeah. And if you look at how middle America voted where factories have shut down and jobs have been shipped out or just gone away, they're concerned about that. They're concerned about the economy. And we failed to do that. And we've been failing to do that as a party for years. And so while President Obama, I think, has been successful in what he's wanted to do because they're progressive-based values and ideas that he's wanted to push forward, I don't think we've carried that, that same messaging and that same unity down, down through, through local races, through governor's races. I think we've screwed up. And I'll be the first Democrat to say I think our party has failed a lot of people. Well, I think he's failed. That was Obama. You know, remember that Obama was head of the party. Mm -hmm. Whoever. Same with now Trump is head of the Republicans. And I think that was Obama's biggest failing, actually, was he did not focus on the Democrats as a unit, as structuring it, as making sure that throughout this country we didn't lose seats. So, and by the way, the last time the Republicans held the presidency, the Senate, the House, and this many state legislatures was 1928. Wow. And then FDR came in and swept them. So that's what we're going to see. Yeah. Uh, my fingers are crossed. <laughs> as we move forward in the 2018 midterms, Donald Trump will have screwed this up so badly that we will retake Congress uh, and be able to stop all of this nonsense. But that's, I mean, that's what okay, happened back in but in, in order to do that, so let's go back to Washington. I, I'm Washington State yeah. Democrats. Because mm-hmm. I think that the Washington State Democrats are a microcosm of what's happening mm-hmm. nationwide. Mm-hmm. And we're in disarray. We've got so much infighting, so much nastiness. Um, how do you change that? How do you fix that? What are we going to do as a party to unite? Because right now we're so busy eating each other, we can't focus on the real enemy. One of the biggest things we need is real leadership. And, you know, there I this last year I watched some of the campaigns that ran across Washington State. And I watched how... In some cases, Democrats would screw something up, whether it was at a debate or on TV or an interview. And we were the first ones to attack them. 
It wasn't the Republicans that were attacking them. It was our own party. And my Republican friends joke with me all the time that, you know, we're the party that eats our own. Um, And it's true. And back when I first got involved in the party, we had a state party chair. Uh, who who it, was it? Was it Dwight? or uh, It was at the end of Paul, Paul and yeah. then Dwight came in. And, you know, when you screwed up, the state party chair would call you down to his office. It was like being summoned to the principal's office. <laughs> and they'd, you know, bring you in and shut the door. And they'd say, what in the heck's wrong with you? Right? And we're going to fix this. And here's how we're going to walk this back. And here's how we're going to fix this. We don't have that anymore. We don't have that kind of leadership. Oh. And so what's happened is the party has turned to attacking each other. And the, it's it's petty. And it's divisive, and it's just not healthy, and it's not helpful. Like, and isn't, so, isn't it a weird coalition? That's the only thing I count. It's like it's funny when you heard about this, and you looked at red versus blue this year. There was a lot of claims that oh, the Republicans are too divided. There's two different Republicans. There's the you know Bush Republicans, and there's this you know populism, mm-hmm. and there's Tea Party, and these groups can't get together. I wonder if we're seeing an incredible change in the. Let's go back to jobs. So mm-hmm. jobs is an interesting thing. You have a guy in the White House right now who has an interesting first week. Executive (laughs) orders flying out the door. But one of the more interesting ones he did is TPP. So now you have TPP comes out and says, I'm against it. Um, Well, you've had both heads of the labor unions, you know, head guys, uh, Troika and um, Hoffa, come out and say, oh, this is the right thing to do. We support this movement. Is there – is the salvation of the Democratic Party an economic message – or is it uh, kind of focusing on groups like you saw a very successful march on Saturday about getting a stronger woman turnout? Is it about bringing in more groups and having a bigger thing? Because I think there was a very open tent message for the Democrats in 2000, uh, what is it, 17, yep. 16, but they underperformed. Dramatically. Well, sometimes I wonder if it's the open tent. We're too open. No, that's my question. Is Are you not, to your enough. point? Should the Democratic Party rally around a jobs message or an economic message and, you know, bifurcate or push down some of these other messages that have dominated? I don't know that we push them down, but I don't know that we need to be the catalyst to push forward every message that comes to us. I'll I'll say it like that. And I think that actually correlates to part of our problem as Democrats in, in, for example, our ability to fundraise in King County. So in King County, if you're a Republican, you can donate to the Republican Party or the NRA, right? Or, or maybe like the Freedom Foundation. In King County, if you're a Democrat, you can donate to probably 50 organizations yeah. that support one of our Democratic principles or values. So I don't know that I would say push down a message, but I think we need to get focused on what our message actually is. And I think that the most successful way we can do that is by picking messages that resonate with everybody. And so while I appreciate some of the special interest groups and some of the messages they're pushing, jobs is something that everybody cares about. Education is something that everybody cares about. So if we can find some core issues and go back to those core issues, I think we can bring in I think we can reactivate our party, but I also think we can bring in some independents, like yourself, to agree with us on some of those issues. Well, we were just having this debate, and I was getting in a a fight with her husband over who voted for more opposite. I voted for numerous Democrats because, you know, on judgeships and stuff where you see, and I went to people I knew and said, okay, tell me who's better, who's got a better judicial record, who's going to be more effective. I would say that here's, I think, a challenge that Democrats have is um, it's a problem for you, and it's just one that you're going to have to figure out. 
which is people assume you have a locked-in Blue County. Mm-hmm. So when the fundraising comes around and, you know, Hillary comes to town or the next Hillary comes to town, people write darn big checks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we had Hillary three times Medina. So yeah. she got some very big $50,000 checks, $100,000 checks, $200,000 checks. Will you introduce me to those folks? <laughs> it's not I hard. know a bunch of them. I can, yeah. I can help you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I actually, they, they do. They are Democrats. They do donate. Well, I they write huge checks on the national level. Yeah. Yeah, but they, they never focus on the, um, the, the, the local level. And mm-hmm. the reason why is maybe they don't care. Or maybe they think the states are already done deal. sometimes national sexier. But also, I think that we've just taken it for granted. The truth is oh, absolutely. our legislature is turning bad. Yeah. And we're not getting stuff done. Inslee can't get some stuff done. So I think now is a great opportunity to start getting more donations and for people to understand we're not safe. One of the things our state party chair, Jackson Ravens, has said, and something that I've kind of clung on and started using, is we've got to stop calling ourselves a blue state because yeah, we're not. We're, we're a not, purple state. Yeah, we're we a purple state. So and, and we need to just acknowledge Why are we that. a purple state? I'm just wondering. Republicans are making significant gains. I oh, mean, yeah. they, they've now taken the state treasurer's race for the first time in decades. They control the state Senate. They're very close to us in the state house. They've won county councils in Snohomish County. They've won county councils in Pierce County. You know, they're making gains. I, I think of it as a tr- power troika. The governorship is Democratic. <laughs> the Seattle senators are both Democrats. Yeah, by the way, I know, I know Maria Campbell. She's great. But it, it is a. Um, but that's federal on the on the state level. You're just toast. The governor's toast. With until we have the legislature, you can't get stuff. Well, done. How is yeah. the governor toast? Because he's got to pass stuff through the legislature, and right now the Senate is Republican by how many seats? The, one. One. That's right. That's but, right. It's well, one. You may because... say he has legislative challenges, but if you look at a guy who, um, there are some great governors out there. <laughs> I would say that. We might have stronger senators and governors, in my humble opinion, in this state. Um, and that guy's still safe. He's still safe. He's safe. Oh, yeah. he's, he's safe. A, a Democrat will continue to get elected governor. But what are they accomplishing is my question. And the roadblocks and challenges that the legislature can put up can be significant. You know, um, I don't necessarily agree with everything that our governor has tried to do, but – He's had significant challenges in getting his core priorities done. And that puts you at risk anytime you go in front of the voters because they will ask you, what have you done? And he doesn't get to say, well, it's the legislature's fault because at the end of the day, the buck stops at his desk. And so he has to own that. And it's really hard to make progress when you have people playing partisan games. So I had a question just because I was thinking about this, and my wife is very liberal, and we get in big arguments. Cause just <laughs> so it she's the one you want to hit up for a donation. Yeah, there we go. There we go. <laughs> yeah, one of those Medina number. folks that I've heard about, huh? Okay. There's a, if you listen to our old podcast, I, I had to give money to Planned Parenthood to get her out of her funk. <laughs> the election. Anyway, um, I'm thinking as a Democrat – you know, there are issues that you can jump onto that you don't have to necessarily take as progressive an issue as people associate associate you're going to move past. So um, it shouldn't be Republicans are the party of business and Democrats are the party of social causes. That's that's crazy. Part, things can be blurred. You can be a socially uh, responsible person and still want to push economic um, gains as well as education gains. So one of the things that I'm interested in just in thinking about is school choice. So this is a thing where people go crazy when you talk about this. So there is this one group that says every dollar taken away from public education into a charter school and something else is taking away from those 
um, you know, making those institutions worse. And you have other groups who come back and say, hold on, those institutions haven't done well. We're spending $12,000 a student. We have these mediocre results. And bad schools continue to be bad schools. Why wouldn't we give parents a choice where they want to send their kids? Is there an openness, you think, for the Democrats to embrace some positions that they haven't embraced in the past that might make a more interesting to people who are on the independence, are on the fence. Could education be one of them? What are some of those issues that you think you can use to bring in people who are on the fence? They might lean Republican, but could be a Democrat. And Obama did that successfully on a national level. But as your job locally, you have to find out how you move those people over. Yeah. And they're, by the way, they're more conservative than your base that are going to always vote your way. Yeah. Interesting question. Yeah. Um, I don't want to put a landmine on you because I know it's No, no. I mean, I, so I personally disagree with the concept of charter schools um and i I wouldn't call any public schools bad schools but i do think that we need to reframe the conversation around education for example the legislature is looking at a levy swap idea and what that would do is ensure that we have equal spending per pupil across the state so they would collect all the local levy money uh they would put that in one pool and then they would evenly distribute it because it doesn't make sense to see districts like bellevue spending more per pupil than districts like kent um so i i think i think we can get folks there on education but i think the conversation has to be reframed um i think we can get folks there on issues um Issues like education, but I, more so economic issues, economic issues, community safety issues. I mean, at the end of the day, no matter what party you're in, we all want the same things. We want safe communities that we can live in. We want good yeah. schools for our kids and we want jobs. But is safety really a big issue? Uh, I mean, there are a few I think cities. So. Oh, absolutely. Have, well, there are a few cities where you have violence problems. But if you look at the rate of violent crime in this country, it's as low as it's ever been. And property crimes are almost as high as they've yeah, ever been. Property, well, there's a good one. Yes. Right? So, you know, and there's points in time I was doing a ride-along with a local police department, invited me out, and I will not name said department. But uh, during this during this ride-along, it's probably 2.30 in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning, and he said well, there was a domestic violence call. Mm-hmm. And we had to wait to go because another officer was busy. And I said, well, why doesn't somebody else back you up? And he said, we're the only two working. And this yeah. is a large city that I was in. Yeah. And I said, what do you mean you're the only two working? And he said, well, between three and six, there's two of us. And policy requires, because domestic violence calls get so dangerous, as we've seen in this year in Tacoma mm-hmm. with that officer that was shot and killed, domestic violence calls require backup. You have to go as two. Well, there's only two of us here. So I do think public safety is an issue. And I think people's perception of public safety is an issue. Yeah. That, that's a funny one you brought up because that's a hit on the local level. Medina is we have per capita an unbelievable amount of police officers not mm-hmm. a big force we have our own private force but how many officers do you have we have nine nine for three thousand people oh my yeah, god that's a lot that's yeah, a lot jesus <laughs> <laughs> you would not believe the people who come in and say oh it's so dangerous we're so scared we got to go and put another head on oh my but, god you're a bunch of wimps but it, uh, what, bunch I, of that's what i was thinking <laughs> I, I just learned the phrase snowflake have you heard of this <laughs> yes. bunch of snowflakes in medina so, uh, but what, but the reason you have nine for three thousand people is because of the perception of public safety. Yeah, it, no, it didn't but people start. People want to put way. more there, and I'm yeah. like, are you kidding me? Because if you look at our budget, fifty-one percent of our budget 
is on public safety. Yeah. And there you go. we don't need 51% of our budget <laughs> hey. to be on public safety. There's other things we could invest in. Hey, I work for King County. 75% of our budget is public safety because wow. we, we run the jail and the court system. Okay. And so we have the sheriff's department. But you're excluding department. some things in there which could – other things are handled by different groups – that people would think not there. Absolutely. But it's frustrating when we get mandates coming from Olympia for mental health, for example, and we don't have the funding to actually do them because mental health is such a crisis point and we should and we want to invest, but we have 75% essentially of our budget wow. tied up in services that cities don't necessarily have to pay for. Is drug addiction considered mental health? Does can that be. fall under that? can be. Okay. Um, so, hey, I want to ask you a question. Back to the Democrats. Yeah, sorry. About, oh, no, we've no, we've sidetracked. We always do. This is part of our uh, part of podcast shtick. Is we've we, reformed local government today. Yeah. Um. We do lots of tangents around here. We're not capable of staying on a straight line. Um, so within the party, it kind of blew up during the presidential race of the Bernie, the Bernie bros, the Bernie mm-hmm. supporters, and then some of the Hillary folks. And when I went to my first Democratic legislative district meeting last month i'm in the 45th okay so we're in a hot seat yeah next year. you yeah, want to run for the senate, senate. no i do not <laughs> want to run for the senate <laughs> i went because i feel like you can't complain you got to get involved mm-hmm. right and i really feel like we're in a crisis mm-hmm. as a country and on a local level too i'm worried so i went to my first meeting and it was fascinating to see there's definitely old school and new school and new blood and new ways and new thinking going on. And I'm curious from your perspective, because you definitely are young, you're bringing in a exciting energy, a whole new sort of way of we got to get down and get some business done and not just be here for the resume mm-hmm. or be here for a social hour. Um, is this going on across all the legislative districts and how – Where's the Bernie boy? And and it is a lot of Bernie bros. I didn't see any Bernie girls there. But this sort of Bernie bro energy, how does that meld into the party on a local level and then in order to get stuff done? Interesting perspective and question because I think you're right in a lot of degrees. Um, there is kind of this old versus new energy going on. And for me, I've kind of got a foot in both camps because – I was accused of, while I was running for chair, I was accused of being one of them and the insiders and all this stuff just because I'd been involved for so long. Um, And then in the primary, I actually was a delegate for Senator Sanders. And so there was was a lot of uh, tension and questions around that. You know, I think what we have to do as a party, and I've been telling people this, is we have to move past this presidential election and stop the divide between Senator Sanders and Secretary Clinton supporters. The only way that we're going to win special elections in 17 and win mayor's races and city council races and then re-energize for the 2018 midterms is if we focus on party unity and coming together. Because I still see this divide. I mean, people are really tense about it. And... It's not serving a purpose. The election's over. Senator Sanders and Secretary Clinton, neither of them are running for president right now. So it's time to move yeah. forward. Both of them have moved forward. I think it's time for us to move forward. If they personally were that invested and can move on with their lives, I think it's time that our party move on. But I think what we need to do is harness some of that energy because there's a lot of people that have shown up and want to get involved now from both camps. And so let's harness that energy and put them to work. 
I've got people, and I'll tell you what, if Donald Trump hasn't done anything right in his first week as president, he has really helped our cause. He is a uniter. I'm getting, I'm getting tons of emails. I get emails wow. three, four, five o'clock in the morning saying, how can I help? You know, I just had a web developer just email me and offer to redo all the websites for every LT in the county. I mean, oh, people, are, people are really excited. Um, and so thanks, Donald. Yeah. Um, be careful. Uniter. You can get well, myopic on this thing, right? People, like, I, yeah. There was a bubble. Everyone knows the bubble. You see the bubble. Saturday Night Live makes fun of the bubble. Mm-hmm. You live in a bubble, which is you're in King County. Yeah. And I'm not trying to be mean about it, but yeah. that's the thing. People here are energized, which is great. It's 2017, beginning of 2017. Um, barring unforeseen first circumstances. You'll have a Republican-controlled House, Senate, and President for the next two years. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that helps opposition. I think clearly it didn't help Obama Tw- when he had 23 months left. Clearly didn't help Obama. Yeah. Right? He had it. Clearly didn't help. Things switched on him. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, you better, as a party, the Democrats, address some of the things that really helped you from moving forward. Because mm-hmm. you outspent the other candidate two to one, and you still got beat. And even yeah. money talks. You got a lot of money and you can win. Maybe back to what you're talking about. Oh, messages. The agenda will change. I mean, to me, yeah. the agenda will change. What's exciting, though, is if we're such a blue area, right? If King County's much more blue, we should be phenomenally strong. We should be raising oodles of money to help out other districts, to help out other counties. Like the places that are blue need to kick ass even more. Yeah. So so the fact that people are crawling out of the woodwork to help and to get involved within the party structure, because we have a party structure that tens of thousands of people do not get involved in. They might vote Democratic, but they're not getting involved in the Democratic Party. And we're getting those oodles of money, by the way, from Medina. We're coming to visit you. As soon as this is over, we'll be there. Big fundraiser at your house. Yep. Melissa will do we're, it. We're having a party. Did I tell you my last name is Bezos? <laughs> no, I think you're right. But one of the things to acknowledge is if we had a consistent message, we might be able to get some media. And that's one of the things I've been talking to the state party about where I've been a little bit disappointed in our party is that during this last election, I saw Susan Hutchinson on the news every night talking about her nominee. And the Democrats didn't get that same media opportunity because we didn't have a coordinated message. And so while we outraised and outspent our opponent, look how much free media he got. He didn't have to buy TV commercials, which is why we had to outraise him. But when was the last time you had, you know, a media sensation it was 2008 mm-hmm. i mean this is really the fault of the democrats which is um with all due respect i know we're a sanders supporter but sanders was uh you know uh from vermont which mm-hmm. is a very small state not a lot of influence elected a republican governor this and last he's cycle. just not oh he's just they? not a wow. he's just not a um he was not a like a power. He was not like a power center yes, he, he wasn't a big name he's kind of a no one yeah no. he had a great message he did a great job i gave him eight plus for that um People have gone through this time and time again, but usually when you elect people for president, you have magnetic personalities, people connect. Maybe that wasn't the case this time. But think Why about can't you it. Put though. someone up who is a magnetic, 
person who bonds with people, even in his own way. Joe I mean, Biden's OK, a but wait a second. Wait a second. Let me flip this. Why yeah. couldn't why couldn't the Republicans put somebody up that was magnetic? They tried. They had Marco Rubio. Yeah. They had candidates, young candidate of color, you know, has a future in the party. So I, I'd, I'd say wait a second, because I didn't see Marco. Did you see Marco Rubio just get his ass kicked by Chris Christie in that debate <laughs> where he just looked like funny. he couldn't even talk? I did. So I mean, funny. talk about a guy like I losing did. it for himself. But in, in defense of Bernie. In defense of Senator Sanders, he was filling up arenas everywhere he went. So, and I have Bernie to... was smart. He was the only one who took advantage of it. I but have... imagine if you had a guy who wasn't in a rumpled suit, who didn't go to the Soviet <laughs> Union for his honeymoon, oh, and who actually looked like he was like, like you could have had a guy who could have taken that message and carried it and been super, super strong. But it wasn't that. It like was an Evan Bai type or someone he... like that. Like but it was like, Hillary's you know... turn. So, so Look, I will, I will tell Hil- you. I will tell you. I said the candidate that I wanted to run, that I was absolutely going to support, I would quit my job and travel the country supporting was Joe Biden. Um, really? Uncle Joe. I do Uncle not get Joe. that. Joe I think Joe is such a guy. fool. He's, he's likable. He's like a likeable. bubbling idiot, he's though. A oh, my God. He's the a way smart he, guy. The way he he's... kisses babies. I don't know. He's, kind of, he's like the creepy old uncle that I would not leave my daughter alone. Oh, my gosh. Are you so kidding? The guy who the name guy. The guy you should have thought about is the governor of Colorado, a guy named John Hickenlooper. Yeah. Hickenlooper. Super, super popular in Colorado. It's a hundred percent split state, so like fifty yeah. fifty. He he polls super well on both sides. He yeah. is he used to own bars. He used to oh, own restaurants. Cool. Yeah. And guess what? That's people cool. who own bars and restaurants yeah. tend to be sociable people. Yeah. They tend to pe- yeah. talk to people, they tend to get along with people. Yeah. Well, maybe they will in the next one. But for now, we've got to focus on our state for sure. So um, talk a little bit about the caucuses versus the, the Democrats voting in a primary. Is that going to change? And explain, like, we, we have this crazy – explain the caucus system, which is crazy. So the caucus system starts at precinct-level caucuses, which is anybody can show up. So you and all your neighbors show up. And you cast your ballot, so to speak, on who you want to be our presidential party nominee. And as you saw across the country this year, there were lines out the door. So I ran the caucus in the 47th district, and they told us to expect 800 people. And so we got a high school that had two gymnasiums and a cafeteria. I have three major cities in my district. I'm like, oh, I'll just put a city in each. And so I got ready to start. And, and the, the flow of people just kept coming through the door. And I got ready to kick off the caucus at the appropriate time. And somebody comes up and says, you can't start yet. And I said, why? And they said, go outside. And I walked outside. And the line actually wrapped around the high school twice. Oh, my and God. And then out into the Didn't street. Didn't that make you feel great? <gasps> It was oh, great. That's great. That so we had over 2,000 yeah. people show up. Congratulations. They told us that's to expect great. 800. Um, but the problem was, of course, we had like six volunteers. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, everybody take 500 people and run with it. Um, so I liked the caucus because it's democracy in action. All these people showing up, they want to participate, they donate to the party, they sign up to get involved, they brought some new energy. I also hate the caucuses because there's 2,000 people with six volunteers. And so we're at a point where I just think Washington has outgrown the caucus system. And yeah. so what would be required in a primary is that you would vote in, in your party preference of a primary. Um, Republicans use a primary system. Yeah. Um, you know, most of the states have flipped over to a primary system. They've just simply outgrown the so caucuses. So who decides that? So the parties have to decide it. Um, so the state Democratic Party will have to make that decision. And I think there is a lot of pushing from a lot of people to move to a primary. The sad part for me is you lose that neighbor to neighbor connection. 
and you lose that fundraising opportunity and you lose that opportunity to get people involved. So we're going to have to do a better job of outreach. Right, right. Oh, I hope they go to a primary. So, so we, we get in trouble because all our podcasts are too long. So we should try to do this and succinctly, you know, not make this go an hour, but a little Well, that's because of you, I know, it's always me. It's always you. <laughs> but what kind of is success for you? So if 23 months from now, it doesn't have to be on national level, probably better no, on local state, level. Yeah. What do you yeah. see as success? What you've done a great job if A, B, or C happens. Um, I will say if we've really strengthened our fundraising base, strengthened our membership numbers, but B, we've you know we've got to win elections. We've got to win yeah. elections. In 2017, we have five special elections coming up. We have the opportunity for the Democrats to take back the state Senate right here this year. Um, I've I've got a candidate interested in running against the last Republican on the Seattle Port Commission. Um, I've got Democrats lining up to run for county council uh, and take Who's us. Who's up in county council? All the odd number districts. So Reagan Dunn, Kathy Lambert, um, oh, you know, kind of the suburban yeah. area. Um, but all the odd number districts are up this year. Okay. Um, Tom Albro, the Republican that's on the Port Commission, yes. he's up this year. Um, again, we've got the five special elections. And King County only has, it's like nine or ten strong elected mayors. And South King County has at least three of them up this year. Oh, Kent's wow. up, Auburn's up, Federal Way's up. And so, uh, Are they all Republicans right now? So in Kent, it's a Republican, uh, but she's not running for re-election, so it'll be an open seat. Uh, in Auburn, we've got a great Democrat that we need to hold on to. Uh, and so you have to declare when you run for a city uh, mayorship, or can you just go? You, you don't, but we, don't fi- we, we find out. <laughs> but so, you know, obviously we need to strengthen our fundraising, increase our members, but we've got to win some of these critical races. So success to me looks like us taking back the state Senate in 2017. Well, and then Dave Riker would... better be on notice in 2018 because we're coming for him <laughs> after that. It's midterms. We're going to take back Congress. Oh, my God. That's such a hard district. He's a very, very uh, hard guy to beat. He is a hard guy to beat. But I want But I want it. But I want to show you something, though. Everyone says he's impossible. Tony Ventrella. Yeah. Announces for Congress and says, I don't want the job. If elected, I will not serve. Raised $10,000 against Reichert's millions. And we took 42%. <gasps> for oh a guy God. who said, I don't want the job and will not serve. But, but oh you, look. So what, what if he had actually campaigned? Yeah, that's so very get 46? hopeful. I mean, that's the that's question, right? No, no, but that's very know. hopeful. So I don't know. We'll my, my congressperson is Suze Delbeni, like her, good neighbor, good person. Yeah. She ran against him, put a lot of money on he cleaned her clock. Yeah. So he's tough. Yeah, yeah but I yeah. also think he's weakened. I don't think he's done anything since he's been in Congress. I don't think he's bring home stuff for his community. I think he's absolutely weaker, much weaker now than when he first got in. But the hair. Hair. He's got he's, the oh, hair. He's a stud. He's got. He's the easy hair. on the eyes, which <laughs> yeah. I do appreciate in politicians, because politicians usually are pretty homeless. I love the summer parades where he wears the t-shirt that's one size too small, so he can show Sweet. off the guns. You know, <laughs> hasn't always tucked in. Wants to let you know he works out seven days a week. Oh, I got to go to some Bellevue parades <laughs> just to get some record eye candy. Oh, <laughs> hey, isn't you take he like fifty-five or something? How old oh, is he's he? probably in his sixties. He's in his sixties. Yeah, no, I was gonna say we're fifty-five. Like, Twenty-eight, <laughs> 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 uh, So, uh, well, Bailey, thank, thank you, you so much. Is there anything else great. you want to add? You know, now is the time to get involved in the party. So find us on Facebook, find us online, King County Democrats. Be really excited to have new voices and new energy and bring new people to the table. And thank you both for having me. Thank you. You're thank great. you so Thanks much. So much. It was super Thanks. fun.